ghosts, ghouls, and things that go bump in the night. Do you remember taking driver's ed? If your driver's ed vehicle was anything like mine, you'll remember the two steering wheels and the two sets of pedals. So if you really screw up, your driver's ed instructor can take over for you. Good times. That's what today's story is all about. So, why don't you sit down, buckle up, and get ready for driver's ed. Teaching driver's ed was supposed to be an easy job. Like any job, it has its stressful moments, but I was always pretty relaxed about everything. But what happened on Jefferson Road managed to make even me nervous. My student that night was Jordan McKellar, an 18-year-old senior and a quiet kid, a lot like me when I was younger, but it was only his second class with me. I could tell he was a good driver, focused, steady. It was the middle of November, so it was already getting dark out when his session was scheduled. It had been a beautiful day out. A crisp blue sky that made the bright orange leaves vividly stick out. But as it got darker, the weather got at least 10 degrees colder, and the faint wind made the leaves rustle wherever they fell. As usual, we were driving steadily down back roads, because those are the best places for new drivers to learn. After about 10 minutes, we came to a four-way intersection with a road-closed barricade across the road I would usually have students learn on, so I had Jordan take a right to follow the proposed detour. We followed it as it wound up and down various back roads until we came across more detours, and by the time they all ended, we were staring at the sign for Jefferson Road. Jordan stopped the car and looked at me. He didn't say a word, but I knew what he was thinking. The same thing I was thinking. Jefferson Road was the kind of road people talk about in hushed voices, and the kind of road people dared each other to walk down alone at night. Its reputation preceded it. A four-mile-long trek with minimal lighting, no gas stations, and unwieldy turns in places. Its reputation is in part based on things that have happened over the years. People have gone missing there and never been found, while other times police have searched the woods and found any number of ominous things. One time, I was spending the night at my friend Ethan's house. He told me that his cousin was driving one night on Jefferson Road, and he swore he saw what looked like a cult doing some ritual in the woods. That night was also one of the times his dad yelled at us to go to bed. We were always driving him crazy with how late we stayed up and played video games. Well, I guess we have to go down Jefferson Road, I eventually said. All the other main roads are cut off, or for local traffic only. Okay, Jordan nodded before he put the car in gear and started down the road. If he was nervous, he didn't show it. While Jordan began the journey down the road, I leaned back in my seat and made sure to stay alert. 
the few streetlights cast an ominous orange glow over the faded black pavement. Although most of the trees near the street had no leaves left on them, the rest of the area was buffeted by thick pine trees that went on for miles. The kind of woods that are an ideal place for people up to no good. Anyone who teaches driver's ed, or who has some sort of road-related job, knows how roads affect human behavior on a massive scale. Certain roads decide not only what houses people buy and what businesses thrive, it decides what cities thrive and what cities struggle. I wasn't afraid of Jefferson Road per se, but I was wary, just like I'm wary of many roads in areas based on their history, their layout, and the road conditions. Everyone encounters car trouble at some point, but there are definitely places you don't want to have any sort of car issue around. People have been telling stories about scary things happening on roads for ages because scary things have been happening on roads for ages. Jefferson Road is just one more road like that. The drive had been inconsequential for a while when Jordan drove around a bend and the headlights illuminated a road close sign up ahead in the distance. What do I do? Keep going. Ignore it. Ignore it? Yes, if the road was actually closed, the sign would have been right at the start of the road. Okay, but I could tell he was nervous, and understandably so. Either someone forgot to move the sign, or someone was up to something, and I didn't think anyone had forgotten it. The sign was also old, so there was no way it had sat there that long, forgotten. I took a deep breath and silently repeated the cardinal rule of teaching someone to drive, remain calm, and never yell or scream because yelling and making someone who's already nervous driving even more nervous is a recipe for literal disaster. Besides, this was excellent training for Jordan. In this day and age, the odds of someone coming across something like this was frighteningly common, and I'd much rather he learn how to deal with it with a trained adult and not when he was alone in the middle of nowhere. I flashed him what I hoped was a reassuring smile. Just keep doing what you normally would do, don't stop and stay focused, just like on any other road. Okay, he said as he carefully drove on and the sign got closer. But what if someone jumps in front of the car? Don't worry about it. Seriously? Absolutely. Why? A car weighs far more than a person, and it travels a lot faster. If someone is up to no good and they jump in front of your car, the only way they win is if you slam on the brakes and suddenly swerve to avoid them. That usually causes the driver to crash, which means you're stranded here and at the mercy of whoever or whatever is out there. But if you keep going, they have no choice but to jump out of the way or let you plow right into them. Do you know which one it tends to be? They jump out of the way. Very good. I'm glad this came up because it's really important. Unless there's some massive barricade that you cannot get around, do not swerve or anything like that if someone tries to stop your car late at night in the middle of nowhere. But aside from that, when you're driving at night alone and there's no one else around, use logic. If something seems off or doesn't make sense, proceed with caution. Okay. 
Driving is a lot like life. If you stay focused, try to keep calm, and use your head, you'll do just fine. Thanks, Mr. Allen. That actually makes a lot of sense. I can't tell you how many irresponsible students I get. People who are just generally an accident waiting to happen. That's not you. You're smart, attentive, and I can tell you're responsible. I have no worries about you. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. You're a smart guy, so I suspect you already know this, but the key to driving is not yourself you have to pay attention to. It's everything and everyone else. That's another thing that's just like life. If you pay close attention to what's going on around you, you'll do okay. Do you know why I didn't have you turn around and go back? No. Why? Because there's no guarantee we'd be able to get out. If someone planted that sign, they clearly want whoever is driving to turn around and go back. This is a long road, which means there's plenty of time for someone watching down by the sign to let their buddies out by the road's entrance know that someone is coming and block off that entrance. Then whoever drove back around would be trapped. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. Sniffing out trouble when driving is all about context. If a road is officially closed, you can tell. Plus, they warn you in advance and leave you a way to go around. What I didn't say was that I was worried about what might be waiting for us since we didn't turn around like the sign said. I carefully watched as Jordan smoothly passed the road close sign, and I kept looking around. Aside from the trees surrounding us on all sides, there was nothing and no one around. But the longer I sat there, the more uneasy I felt. I was painfully aware that the car's driver's ed sign was a message to anyone up to no good that the driver of the car was probably not very experienced, which is not something you want people up to no good to know. He drove casually for a few more minutes that seemed like an hour, and I could tell we were getting close to the end of the road as the car navigated a dip in the road. As the car bounced slightly, I felt myself relax a bit since we were getting so close to the end. But any good feeling evaporated immediately as the road swerved left and the headlights illuminated a woman standing in the road frantically waving her arms. She was in her late twenties, and I could see a car nearby with its front end in a ditch. As we got closer, my stomach sank as I noticed the rear of the car had no license plate on it. But despite that, something about the car looked familiar. It was a red sedan with a noticeable dent in the right side near the trunk. What do I do? Jordan asked, his voice laced with nerves. Just like I told you earlier, keep on going, like she's not even there. But just in case the situation called for it, I got my foot ready to hit one of the pedals I have on my side of the car, in case I ever needed to take control of the vehicle. Okay, but what if she actually needs help? Then she'll be pleased when I call the authorities and let them know where she is. Smart move, Mr. Allen. Like I said, it's all about context. There's nothing to prove that's even her car. Besides, I've seen that car before somewhere, and I've never seen her before. I'm just not sure where. That is weird, he said as he kept on driving. The woman on the road did nothing to stop or get out of the way as we approach. In fact, she stood there until she had no choice but to jump out of the way. As we drove by, I looked in the rearview mirror 
and saw her land in the ditch near the car. To my immense relief, nothing came out of the woods after us. I exhaled as quietly as I could and was thankfully silent as the end of Jefferson Road appeared just ahead. I could also see the relief on Jordan's face as he realized we were at the end. Just as we passed a sign letting us know the road was ending and we were approaching an intersection, a figure came out of the woods and stood there with his back pressed to the trees. The figure stood where the woods began to thin out and waited there without moving. Beside me, I heard Jordan gasp. Keep going, I told Jordan without looking at him. The car's headlights revealed that the stranger was wearing black leather gloves, a black tracksuit, and his head was covered by a large black ski mask. As we passed, I locked eyes with the figure, and he raised his hand and wiggled his fingers at me in a creepy farewell gesture. To match him in the unflinching department, I made sure to flash him a wide grin and waved right back. As the figure receded from view, I watched in the passenger seat mirror as the figure spoke into a walkie-talkie, and several other figures emerged from the woods on four-wheelers and roared down the road in the opposite direction from us. With that, we were at the end of Jefferson Road, and arrived a few minutes later at a normal intersection in a nice suburb. Well done, Jordan, I said before I called the cops and explained what happened while Jordan drove us back to his parents' house. They were shocked when I told them what happened, but proud of their son. Before I left, I gave Jordan the 200 bucks I had in my wallet as a reward for a job well done. Not surprisingly, the cops searched the area and found nothing. No road closed sign, no woman, no car in the ditch, and certainly no masked figures. I thanked them for their time, ended the call, and hopped on the computer before turning in for the night. When I checked my email, I saw Ethan had finally sent me some photos from a few events we'd been to over the last couple of years. I was about halfway through the pictures when one photo made me pick up the phone and call the police again. At a 4th of July event two years ago, a bunch of us were watching fireworks while sitting in the lawn chairs in Ethan's driveway. Parked right next to where we were sitting was the same red sedan, with a dent, but this time it had a license plate. A license plate that belonged to Ethan's dad, who police eventually arrested in connection with a series of unsolved crimes and disappearances over the years, many of them happening right in the woods near Jefferson Road. And that, my dear listeners, is the story of Driver's Ed. Did you have any experiences like that while you were driving? Whether you were a brand new driver or one with 30 years of experience, I'd love to hear what happened to you. Send me an email at hauntedhorrorstorian at gmail.com or find me on Facebook at Haunted Horror Story and Podcast. That's all for this week. So until next time, stay safe while you're driving. And remember, sometimes it's more than just a story. <laughs>